Hey team, welcome to this week's uh, chat with Charlie. Always feels weird saying my own name. It used to be called an open office, but I thought chats with Charlie was a little bit more friendly. So welcome to this week's chat with Charlie. Um, hope you are all doing very, very well. If you're listening back on the podcast, hope you're doing well. We've just been having a bit of a chat off air, so to speak, about germs and offsteads and mocksteads and this, that and the other. But if you're joining us um, on the podcast, hope you're doing really well. Hope you had a good time over the weekend and you're ready for a good week ahead. So let's get into today's session. Not going to hang about today. We've got quite a lot to talk about. A couple of things before I get into it. This week, um, of course, I know that we're going to miss certain sessions and, and, and all the rest of it, which is why we always put the session recordings in the group and we always put the use recordings up on the podcast, usually the same night. I think it's been the, the same night um, every time so far, but it's usually um, the same evening. Um, but I, you know, people are going to miss them. Of course, you know, it happens. People can't make it live. But please, please, please do make sure you listen back to these. The reason I put them on the podcast is so that when you're at school or in the car or doing the cooking the cleaning the washing the whatever and you're in your walks you can listen back so you can access this on the um apple podcast app on spotify i think it's like podbean and soundcloud and all the smaller ones anchor and a few other ones but if you just search the teachers team private podcast you'll be able to find this podcast okay um the re- like I said, the reason being that we put it on on the podcast rather than just a, a video is so that it's as accessible as possible. So I really need you to make sure you're listening back to these sessions because we had quite a few questions this week that have already been covered in some of the trainings um, in depth and have been covered in last week's chat. So please, 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 I know it's going to be difficult to always be up to date, but as soon as you can, you know, hopefully by the next check-in, please do go back and listen because it's really important that we're not sort of like repeating loads of information because then we can't cover as much. And obviously over this challenge, I want to give you as much information and implementation as I possibly can. I don't want to be covering the same four points. Do you see what I mean? So it's just better that we cover as much as we possibly can in this short period of time. So going to jump straight into it tonight. If you've got any questions as we go, any comments, any opinions, anything that works for you, please, please, please do pop them in the chat because everyone's going to benefit. Got a really good crowd here tonight. Got about 13, 14 people here. So loads of experience, loads of wisdom. You guys are all in the classroom um, or in and around school. I am no longer in the classroom. I know it's only been like a year, but you know, you guys are, are in it. You're in the thick of it. You're going to have loads of suggestions and loads of information for each other. So please contribute, pop your, your comments, any questions, as always, pop them in there. So without further ado, let's get into it. Nutrition questions from this week or just points. Snacking whilst working was one that came up a couple of times. Now, this is, um, you know, there's a lot that we could talk about snacking. And when we talk about emotional eating um, and when we talk, talk about nutrition in a bit more depth soon, um, you know, we'll go into a lot more sort of in, uh, depth with this. So I'm just going to lightly brush over it tonight. But when when it comes to snacking, other than sort of emotional eating and stress eating and, and, and urges and things, if it is just because of boredom, which it often is, and it's to make a task that's a little bit mundane, a little bit boring, just a little bit more enjoyable, right? Let's be honest, if you're doing medium term planning for spring one, it's going to be better when you've got some chocolate next year. Yeah, it's going to be, right? It goes without saying. However, if that's not supportive of your current goals with your health and well-being, that's something we need to address. So, of course, you can look at alternatives. I'm a big advocate of having a little bit of what you fancy because I have seen it time and time again where we over-restrict and then we overindulge, right? And then in extreme cases, this can become a bit of a binge-restrict cycle. 
So I am an advocate of having a little bit of what you fancy. So it may be that you just have a few more sort of um, systems around this and a few more sort of guidelines. So it might be that you pre-package out snacks. I know someone, I can't remember who it was, but it was a great idea from last week's check-in. You sort of managed and, and pre-packaged out loads of snacks. That was a great idea. And um, so you can sort of do, do things like that, pre-package it out, put your highly palatable, so super tasty, and um, usually high sugar, high fat foods, and um, really easily accessible, very sort of calorie dense foods. You can put them on the top shelf at the back. You know, if you're if you're worried about your food environment at all, go into the guide section, go to the first section, and there's the environment audit where you can go and you can audit your environment and how much it's, how well it's set up for success. But Prepackaging, putting things back into opaque containers so you can't see them, top shelves, these kinds of little tricks with your environment make a massive, massive difference. And of course, you can always use alternatives. So instead of having half a packet of chocolate digestives, you might have a chocolate digestive and a couple of rice cakes. Okay. It's not completely optimal. You know, we're not sort of eating. Uh, you know, chicken, broccoli and rice measured out in perfect portions with the right nutrients met and stuff. Of course, chocolate is chocolate. It's not the most optimal food, even if it's a chocolate rice cake. However, it's about looking at that spectrum and thinking, I'll have a little bit of what I fancy. And then, you know, if that doesn't quite satisfy me, I'll have some alternatives. So things like popcorn are great, flavoured rice cakes. Some people love them. I actually really do like them. Some people think they taste like cardboard. So it's a very personal thing. It's totally up to you. But having those alternatives in are great. Things like... um sugar-free drinks sugar-free fizzy drinks and things there's a lot of rumors about um sweeteners so like particularly aspartame and acesulfame k the two that are usually used in, in diet fizzy drinks loads of rumors all of those are pretty much based on one study which was done in rats where they pretty I'm, i think i mentioned this before this challenge and they gave rats the equivalent of you drinking like bath loads of diet coke like they gave them the sweetener and the rats developed cancers that's not going to happen for you having a can of of something um sweet and fizzy to sort of stave off any cravings isn't going to cause any negative health impacts you could have a can of coke a day a diet coke a day you'll be absolutely fine you know you're not gonna not gonna affect you at all so alternatives are great things like herbal teas um like i said diet fizzy drinks cordial sparkling water little things like this can really really help and when it comes to to jump to that third one when it comes to snacking a really good point to consider is satiation so basically how full you feel there's a few ways that bit feeling full works but essentially a lot of it comes down to like your stomach expanding and the tissue around your stomach, fatty tissues, you know, sending those signals up to your brain to say, cool, I'm, I'm feeling full. There's some food coming down. And then your brain turns down that hunger hormone and turns up that fullness hormone. Right. So when it comes to snacking, we want to apply that same principle. So you'll see all the examples I just gave of foods to snack on are quite high volume. You know, they're going to cause a lot of gastric stretch. So stretching of the stomach. So, when it comes to feeling full from your food, moving on from snacks now, there's a few things that we can think about. The first one's going to be protein because it digests slightly differently. It's harder for the body to break down and it is going to therefore keep you feeling fuller for longer. It's going to stay in the stomach for longer. Um, second one is going to be fruits and veggies because these are very high volume again, but they also tend to typically normally come with a lot of fiber, which again helps to stabilize blood sugar. So we've got protein, fruits and veggies basically because of volume and fiber and then other things that have a lot of volume like rice cakes um popcorn um things like tangerines are great because they're pretty much just water these are all things that we can think of to help us satiate ourselves so lots of you said i'm struggling i'm getting hungry big one have you got protein in that's the number one that you're probably missing particularly at breakfast protein fiber 
food volume. That's kind of the flow that you want to go down. So a really good example might be a big, big chicken salad with some pasta in there. You've got some good fiber from the pasta. You've got some good protein from the chicken, food volume from the salad. So you can see there's lots of different ways that we can combine this. So just to summarize, protein, fiber, food volume, it's going to really, really help with fullness. Keeps your stomach feeling full, keeps the hunger signals where we want them, and it keeps our blood sugar nice and stable. So that's going to be really, really useful. Some of you asked about food and social occasions and managing those social occasions. We do have a, tra- a full training coming up on this, but I gave you a very succinct, 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 I think that's how you say it, gave you a very succinct version um, the first Saturday of the challenge. So not the Saturday just gone, the one before. I ran through on that Saturday morning in a, in a bonus episode, sort of impromptu episode, all about how to manage the weekend through mindset, through practical strategies. And it's only about a 20 minute session because I was quite to the point. So please go back. It's in the guide section. It's on the podcast. Please listen to that. I'm not going to go and spend 20 minutes talking about it now because it's Tuesday night. You don't want to listen to me for that long. So please go and watch that in the guide section if you are wondering at all about how to manage social occasions and how to manage weekends, because that came up about 10 times in the check-ins. We do have a training coming up, but it's already on the podcast, so you don't need to worry about that. Drinking more water is a really, really common one, one that lots of us find really, really difficult. There's a few things that we can think about when it comes to drinking more water. The first one being we need to set our habit cues up as easy to be as easy as as accessible as possible. So this means we need to give ourselves as many reminders to drink that water. Okay, so this comes from pretty much seeing the reminders around us. Okay, could be an alarm on your phone. It could be a timer. It could be a child in your class to remind you. You have a water monitor. It could be just surrounding yourself with water bottles, which is probably my go-to. So having one by the bed, one by the sofa, one in your car, one in your bag, one in your desk. If you have water bottles everywhere, you know, I've got one here now, right? And I am probably going to sip on that because it's next to me and I'm going to keep seeing it. And I've got my cup of tea as well, of course, because it's, it's evening time. Um, so what we want to think about is surrounding ourselves and setting our environment up for success. Any habit that you're trying to build, there are a few different guidelines and rules to follow. We want to make it obvious, so visible. We want to make it easy and accessible. We want to make it simple, right? We want to make it enjoyable and attractive as much as possible. And we want to make it rewarding. So if we can apply those guidelines to our habits, I've got all those from Atomic Habits. If you haven't um, read that, please do. That's one of the prizes, actually, a copy of that book for this challenge and but please go and listen to or read atomic habits because it's going to tell you everything you need to know we do have a session on habits coming up as well so don't worry too much about that but when it comes to water surround yourself make it a bit more attractive you might want to buy yourself a new water bottle you might use some sort of sugar-free squash you might use herbal tea bags the only thing the only reason that we talk about not really uh considering tea and coffee as being part of your water intake and being additional is that we tend to drink them in smaller quantities so we tend to normally only really have you know what is it what's a cup of tea about the same as a can of drink isn't it like 300 to 400 milliliters and we might have sort of one of them an hour right whereas if we had a big bottle of water like that we're probably going to be drinking a bit more so that's why I tend to say teas and coffees are not great. They're also diuretics. They make you go to loo more, not much more because obviously you're still getting that fluid in, but it does have an impact. So we do want to be drinking a good few liters of water. If you can tell that you're thirsty or you're getting a headache or your mouth is very, very dry, you're already past the stage where your hydration is affecting you. So we want to stay on top of it. And of course, when you're in the 
uh, classroom, it's difficult. You can't just go to the toilet. You can't just run out and use the loo. So there is a certain sort of tactfulness to it all. We do need to sort of drink a bit, little bit more in the lead up to lunch, a bit more before work, a bit more after work. You know, you're not going to be able to drink pints and pints of water if you've got a two hour sort of block of lessons. But just surround yourself with it. Set up those habit cues. Like I said, get some monitors, get people to remind you, make it like a class thing. Try and make it enjoyable. A really, really good question that came up a few times when it comes to nutrition was mindful eating. Now, there's a few different ways that we can break this mindful eating down. Okay, first of all, it's going to be environments. So this is part of your environment audit as well. But we're going to cover this when we talk about emotional eating and mindful eating. Is your your eating environment, your dining environment set up for success? So basically, are there distractions around? What we want to get to is we want to get you to be mindful of what you're eating. So that means that your brain is basically processing the fact that you are eating. A big part of feeling full, as well as that gastric stretch, is going to be your brain noticing it, right? So what that means is that visually you're seeing it, okay? Your brain is is, is noticing you eating. So that is chewing for longer, that is swallowing, that is sitting there, that is putting your knife and fork down, basically stretching out the amount of time that that meal takes to eat. That's your brain noticing it because it's literally registering, okay, I'm putting another forkful in, right? Little things like not overloading your fork. So environments play a massive, massive uh, impact. In play an impact, play a role on, on, the, on the impact of that. So things like not being on your phone when you're eating not watching TV. I watch TV when I eat, but I don't have a problem really with digestion. I don't have a problem with mindful eating. I eat quite mindfully, even though I am watching TV. So that's just me, but that's taken me like a decade to get to that point. If you're someone who hasn't quite mastered that and you do feel like you need to work on mindful eating, probably turning off the TV, putting your phone in another room, putting the laptop away and don't eat when you're working. Just basically when you're eating, just eat. When anyone's when anyone says anything about being mindful, mindful coloring, mindful walking, whatever, it basically means that all you're doing is that one thing. So mindful eating, you're just eating. You might be having a conversation, things like that. So control your environment, right? Have a glass of water on the table. So you're putting your knife and fork down, you're having a drink, things like that. And this is leading us then into our eating skills. Things like putting your knife and fork down between bites. How often do you put your knife and fork down? I know I don't normally put it down very much. Um, how often do you sort of pause halfway through a meal and just take 60 seconds just to sit, think, have a drink of water, have a conversation? You know, we don't often do it because we're in that sort of habit of we fed the kids. Now it's time for us to, to eat, basically. Or the kids are in bed. It's time for us to eat. Or we've just finished work. It's time for us to eat. And we don't often actually sit and spend time with our food. And the thing is, if you're then putting more time into planning your food, prepping your food. And like Johnny, Chef Johnny talks about, you eat with your eyes first, right? You want to make this food look appetizing. You want to make it, you're, you know, we don't, let's be honest, during the week, teachers, we don't have much going on in our lives, right? Very few of us go to clubs and things of the evening. I know some people do, but normally it might be one a week if we're lucky. We don't, in the evenings, we just want to sort of chill out, digest and sort of decompress from the day and sort of just have some time for us. So what better way to do it than cooking a nice meal that takes you 20 minutes but then sitting down and actually being really present with that meal because little things are going to happen. You're going to have time to think and process the day when you're not watching TV and you haven't got any stimulus coming in. You're going to have time. Your, your body's going to have time to, you know, regulate its emotional state. So you're probably going to breathe slower. Your jaw's going to unclench. You're going to relax your shoulders. You're going, your heart rate's going to come down. Your blood pressure is going to come down. Like I said, you're going to have time to think through the day. All of these things can happen when you sit down to be present with your food. So just take that time on 
honestly, if you could take 30 minutes to have a meal once a day, it is going to really, really change the state of your mental health. It really, really is, particularly if it's really nutritious food. Um, eating skills, like I said, knives and forks down, having a drink, chewing your food more. We, no one chews their food enough because I don't ever remember being taught any of this stuff as a, as a child. Um, chew your food. Most people swallow their food too quickly. Spend time masticating is the is the uh, posh word for it. Masticating your food in your mouth, right? Really chew it. Give it time because that's if you're someone who gets heartburn, indigestion, um, you know, constipation, diarrhea, any sort of um, stomach or digestive difficulties, chewing your food might be able to help you with that. So that's really, really important. I think we've covered all of those. I think we've sort of talked through all of those. I'm going to pause here. Any questions on any of that? Anyone got any tips, any advice, anything they want to share on the nutrition stuff? Chuck it in. Had no comments in there. So I'm th- either you are all bored to death or <laughs> or you haven't got, uh, I haven't, you, I've covered it all. Let me know. Any questions, any other points on nutrition before we move on, guys? Please chuck it in the chat. Let me know. I'm going to get moving on to the next one. But those are all really good questions. I know those are big, broad topics, and I've just dusted over those. There's a lot more we can say, but those are really, really good questions. Okay, so <clears throat> few um, movement questions, not many. Big one was increasing movement throughout the day. And a really, really easy way to increase, increase your movement throughout the day is simply to do trips, right? If it comes to the photocopier, instead of printing all your um all your copies in the morning and then taking it all in one go of course you're busy of course you've got a lot going on but if you can possibly manage it try printing a couple couple of bits go into the photocopier go to the printer collecting them go to the photocopier doing them coming back and then at lunchtime you go and do another batch i know this sounds very 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 simplistic but it's one of the ways that i noticed my personal movement went up just by doing more trips taking the long way around the school taking the children out to do the daily mile of course the weather is not going to help and i'm gonna be straight to the point on this one if you're someone who's using the rain as an excuse unless it is torrential rain I am not going to accept a bit of drizzle as an excuse not to get out for a walk. Okay, it's not an excuse. Rain makes it inconvenient. Rain makes it uncomfortable. Rain makes it a lot less desirable, but it doesn't stop you from putting a coat on, putting your body up, putting your wellies on and going out for a walk. It doesn't stop your children from doing that either. And I think a lot of children would benefit. You know, I I know from, from my teacher, Chris, so many children were told they weren't allowed to go out in the rain. And of course, you know, during the day, we don't really want children going out in the torrential rain during wet playtime and stuff. But if you say to your class or your children, we're just going to go for a sensible walk around the playground. We're not going to splash in any puddles. I know wishful thinking. Um, we're not going to splash in any puddles. We're just going to put our coats on and we're going to go for a five minute mindfulness walk. Or we're going to go for a five minute energy burner or a five minute calm down or whatever you want to call it. Sometimes children, you know, it's not something they're used to doing. And sometimes I know it sounds silly, but something as insignificant to us as that can be something that really like makes their day and gets them sort of really excited about what's going on just by going for a walk, obviously with their hood up, with their coat on, all that, all that stuff, you know, I don't want anyone like, you know, sending me any sort of emails from, from snotty parents from when their children get colds and stuff. But I do think we, we have very become very, very sort of like, I don't want to say soft because that's dangerous territory, but we've become very like, Oh, children can't do this. Children can't do that. What's wrong with taking your class out on the playground? 
if you can stop them from jumping in puddles and getting themselves absolutely soaked, which I know is hard work, but right, that's an experience, right? It's an experience of childhood that so many children don't get because their parents don't allow them to do it. Then they come to school and they're not allowed to do it again, you know, with wet playtime and stuff. So I don't know, something to think about because for me, the rain isn't a reason not to go outside. It just means that we have to change the way we're going outside, right? And I know that obviously some people's leadership and things might disagree and, and stuff like that. So don't crucify me for that one. But yeah, just my opinion on that. And then when it comes to you, not an excuse. Unless it's hammering it down and it's raining sideways, I don't think that a bit of drizzle outside is going to really affect you on a 10 minute walk. Is that a limiting belief? That's a question you need to ask yourself when it comes to getting movement in. It's cold. It's dark. Yes. Is there anywhere that's better lit that you can walk around? Could you go on a lunchtime walk? Could you go on a morning walk where it's still a bit light? Could you get, um, again, a uh, movement break in, daily mile, particularly on sunny days when you don't have that weather issue? Could you really bump it up on those days to get your movement in? Things like parking further away, walking up and down the stairs, taking multiple trips to the kitchen, taking multiple trips when you're putting the washing upstairs. Little things are going to make a big difference when it comes to movement. So bear that in mind, always be trying to move more. And if you are someone who does sit down a lot, what you could try is just questioning yourself. Do I need to be sat down for this activity? For example, um, Christy's not here, but I was spoke to Christy on a coaching call, uh, one of our one-to-one clients. But on a coaching call, she wanted a phone call because she was in the car. So I was just doing laps of my house pretty much, got like a long, thin house. I was basically doing laps of my house whilst on the coaching call. Um, and it was fine. I was getting some movement in. I was a lot more alert because this was like half past five. And Christy, was, you know, Christy was sat in the car. She was driving. And I, we were just going through a coaching call, going through a check-in process. I could have sat here. I mean, I've got a standing desk, but I could have sat here and just sort of been talking to her with my phone on the desk. But little things like that, I probably got an extra 250 steps in from that. Times that by four times a day, you can see how the little and often changes. For you, it might be sort of tango teaching. So you're not just stood by the board or sat down in your chair. If you're a sitting teacher, please try and stand up more. It's going to make a big difference. And it's probably going to be a bit more energizing for your children as well. Um, and it's set an example for them to move uh, as well. Be a tango teacher, move around the classroom. I know some people who have bought clickers so they can sort of click on their laptop so they can teach from anywhere in the classroom or have a child be their clicker or, or whatever, right? So moving throughout the day, just try and get a little bit more in. I'd rather you focus on your steps and movement than necessarily getting a workout in at this stage. There are new home workouts going to be available on your app. They'll be up on there. Well, for everyone, they've already started going on, but they'll be up on there by the end of tonight. If you try completely um, equipment-free workouts for you to give a little go, little circuit workouts. Moving on to mindset, let's take a pause for a second. Has anyone got anything to add to that? Gonna just clear the chat for a second. Do, 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 do. Anyone got anything to add to those? Okay, right, we've got some comments coming in. Um, after the rainy walk video the other week, I forced myself out today in the heavy rain. My colleagues were shocked. Yes, Amy. Excellent. I know it's not very nice when you're out, but how refreshing is it? It is more refreshing. I th I, I th yeah, you'd have, you'd have to work hard to convince me that it's not more refreshing. It's not very nice sometimes, but it is more refreshing. And you've got that fresh air in, right? You've got that movement in. It makes such a difference. It's invigorating, right? Uh, rain makes you feel so much better when you get back. Got uh, Get them in the waterproofs. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I went for a walk in the heavy rain today with my dogs. Yes, Lou. At first, it was bloody awful. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I took a breath and, and thought, oh, well, I'm already wet. Keep going. Absolutely. And that's the thing. As always, any challenge, anything that's stopping you, like walking in the rain is a brilliant example. Anything like that, it's a mindset barrier. 
It's not about the walk. It's not about the rain. It's got nothing to do with it, really. It's a bit uncomfortable, yeah, but it's a mindset barrier. You're not used to, your identity isn't yet the person who goes for a walk in the rain. You're you're tied to an old identity, old habits, old beliefs, old behaviours. You're tied to that. It's about breaking free. It's about casting votes for you 2.0, casting votes for Lou, who does go for a walk in the heavy rain, right? Or Lydia, who does go for a walk when she gets home from work. Like you're casting these votes. And again, like we said in the mindset session, it's about building belief in yourself. And the only way, the only way to build belief is to do it, is to get there and to do it. And no matter how uncomfortable it is, no matter how horrible it is when you're going for a walk in the rain, once you've been once, and I know it sounds silly because we're talking about walking in the rain, you know, we're not talking about climbing Everest, but you know, as soon as you've done it once, you can turn around and go, actually, I'm fine. I survived. I've gone for a walk in the rain. I'm not saying go for a two hour trek where you come back with, with the flu or a cold or anything like that, but a 10 minute walk in the rain isn't going to kill you. It's really, really not. And it's about sort of making yourself more resilient, I think, with little things like that. And the reason it is so uncomfortable is, like I said, it's not part of your identity yet, but also it's taking you outside your comfort zone. As human beings, our comfort zone is keep safe, keep equilibrium, keep steady, keep stable, keep warm, keep dry. These are all really, really like tangible things that are within our comfort zone. It's like having a cold shower. Who on earth would want to have a cold shower? That is something that is probably outside all of our comfort zones. But if you did it, you're going to survive it. And it's not going to be the end of the world. Um, children need to get outside today at lunch as they hadn't been out all day. That's the other thing. When children get cooped up, classroom gets really smelly. Let's be honest, it stinks. Children, children are smelly creatures. You get claustrophobic. You get, you know, the windows might be closed. There might not be fresh air coming through. This is why we get so many germs, because we don't have that fresh air and getting outside. We're just locked up. The windows get steamy. It's just not nice. Just think of, think about it that way, right? And put their coats on, put their wellies on, went outside on the playground. We were the only ones out there, but the children loved it. And they were much calmer in the afternoon. Loads of success stories. Hannah loves a clicker as well. Excellent. Great for behavior management. Do a lap in the classroom. A hundred percent. Is that like what they call it? Like spotlight. Is it helicopter spotlight? Can't remember what, they, what, what the old terms were, but yeah, it's like managing it as you go. hundred percent. That's fantastic. Um, started going out for 20 minutes at lunchtime, either laps around the playground, children have been joining in or going around the estate. Yeah, fantastic idea. Really, these are brilliant, guys. These are absolutely fantastic. Awesome. Cool. Let's move on to the mindset section. Good to see we're all getting that movement in as well. For you as well, it's the break, it's the change of scene, it's the refreshment, it's the energy boosting nature of getting your blood moving, get your oxygen flowing, get some fresh air, wake yourself up, right? It's great for you as well. So mindset questions quite a few different things for us to talk about a lot of them were sort of focused around boundaries setting boundaries feeling like you can set boundaries not upsetting people and putting yourself first right so i'm going to start with those ones it is not going to be easy to set a new boundary just by definition any change is uncomfortable right but we need to remember that line of if nothing changes, nothing changes. If you're happy with how things are right now or, or were a few weeks ago and you're happy with, for them to stay the same for the next 20, 30, 40, 50 years, whatever, and you're happy with the impact that's going to have, no one's asking you to change. But I've got a feeling that most of us that are here have got something around school, work-life balance, well-being that you're not happy with, that isn't giving you the result you want, that isn't getting you to the place that you want to get to. And for me to be like, oh, it's going to be fine. You don't, you know, don't worry. You, it's going to be totally comfortable. You don't need to change anything. And for me to sort of mollycoddle you, to be honest, isn't going to help you long-term. And 
I think sort of getting to the point and getting quite blunt is usually the best way to to deal with these kinds of things because I'm not going to help you by morally coddling you and saying, oh, it's okay, you know, whatever. By actually kind of being straight with you, I think within six months, 12 months, I'd like to think you might come back and thank me that I was just blunt about it. But the point is, if nothing changes, nothing's going to change. And my opinion is if you know you're unhappy with something, if you know it needs to change, but you're not willing to change it, my personal opinion, unless there's extenuating circumstances, is that you don't have the right to moan about it anymore because you know it's not right. You know that it needs to change. You know that you can do something about it, even if it's not, even if it's more influence it than impact it. But if you're choosing not to do it for whatever reason it is, whether it's belief, identity, self-worth, what doesn't matter what the reason is, if you're choosing not to take action, you're choosing not to implement something, that's on you, right? That's on you because it might not be your fault, but it's going to be your responsibility. And like I said, you might not be able to change it completely. You might not be able to completely impact it. But nine times out of 10, with these kinds of situations, you can influence things. Like I said, you might not be able to impact it completely, but you're probably going to be able to influence things. So when it comes to setting boundaries and saying, no, I know lots of us have got tricky co-teachers or partner teachers, tricky year leaders, tricky SLT. You might be SLT and have tricky members of staff that you manage, right? It works all ways, right? The arrows go all ways you need to set the boundary. And that is going to mean that you're going to have to have a difficult conversation at some point. And I'm not saying any of this stuff is easy because it's not. But if you want the change, you need to be willing to go outside the comfort zone into the stretch zone where things aren't nice. They're not comfortable. You have to have a conversation. You have to short term feel like you're letting someone down. You have to deal with someone's disapproving look because at the end of the day, what is the alternative really? And a really good example really good sort of um sorry like uh, activity i guess to do sort of visualization to do if you're sitting there now and you've got an example of something at work a boundary that hasn't been drawn someone taking the mickey a little bit someone being unfair whatever it whatever the situation is unfair workload unfair expectation whatever if you've got something like that now think about you know think about that example in your head for me fast forward five years how has it impacted you if you were to do nothing about this problem, fast forward five years for me, are you still even, are you even still in teaching? Are you working at the same school? How's your mental health? How's your physical health? How's your relationship with people at home? How's your work-life balance? How's your emotional health? Really go into it because we've got to build the awareness because before action comes awareness, right? If you take the situation as it is right now and you fast forward for five years, how has it impacted you? And if it's a negative impact, and if you're not happy with that potential future, you need to go back. And you need to do something right now because you can't let it go on any longer. You can't leave it to get worse and worse and worse and worse. Because, again, being blunt, if you're not taking action, you know, if you're not changing, you're choosing. Everything is a choice. Everything is a choice. And I know that this could be a very hotly, hotly debated. Is that a phrase? Hotly debated. I'm going with it. Hotly debated sort of area. Where it is, is this environmental? Is this DNA? Is this circumstantial? Is this financial? Like all these different things that contribute to different problems in our lives. Yes, of course, there are going to be extenuating circumstances for certain people and certain problems in their lives, of course, right? However, when it comes to us as teachers with well being, workload, and things, I do honestly believe that a lot of it we can control. And if you're not changing it, you're choosing it. So if you're not changing it, you're still choosing the other outcome. 
because we are not willing to put yourself through that uncomfortable conversation. You're not willing to put yourself through that position where you send that email or you challenge that person or you explain how you're feeling it and you're open about it. So it's really important when you're setting boundaries, you have the difficult conversations. Okay. Another thing that can sometimes impact it, uh, very anecdotally, I'm talking on this now, is your need for inter uh, ex external validation. I know we spoke about this a lot in one of the other sessions already, but so many of us subconsciously usually have a need for external recognition, external validation, external self-worth given to us, basically. And we rely so heavily on other people's praise, nods of appreciation and things like that. And a lot of this is subconscious, of course it is. And I'm sure a lot of it goes back to the type of people we are as teachers and all the rest of it. But no matter how much praise you get, no matter if you get a pay rise, no matter if you get a new position, no matter what you do and what you achieve, if it is only external validation, it's never going to make you feel fulfilled. You're never going to sit there and go, oh, OK, cool. I'm, I'm, in, I'm enough now. I'm, I'm a good enough teacher. Cool. I'll just just cruise here for a bit or cool. I'm ready to retire now. <laughs> It'll probably take that long to, for you to feel like that. Right. But no matter how much you get of all that stuff. No matter how many people comment and compliment on your display when the staff meet is hosted. Oh, wow, you've got like these 3D elements and you, you've done this, that and the other. No matter how highly your children achieve, no matter. And this one's a bit more effective. But when parents come and say nice things to you, that, that's quite nice, isn't it? But no matter how much of that you get, it's never going to be enough if you can't give yourself the internal validation. It has to come from within. You need to be able to say to yourself, right, I have done my best today. And that is OK. That is enough. My good enough is good enough. I don't need this person to tell me that I'm enough. I don't need this parent to come in and compliment me on this whatever. It doesn't matter. You need to be able to look, look at yourself in the mirror and say, I gave my 100% today. And yes, it was only 50% of my usual capacity. But I gave my 100%. I went in, I did my job and I did a bloody good job of it. I've done my best for the children. My children are taken care of. My children are happy. Did the best I could in the situation. That's good enough for me. And then you go to bed happy and you put your head on the pillow and you think, right, I'm a good teacher. I've done a good job. It has to come from within. And I can promise you that when that internal validation starts to come, your self-worth will come alongside it. And when your self-worth starts to increase and you're not relying on everyone else's approval and anyone else's sort of validation, you are going to be so much more confident drawing those boundaries because you will teach people how to treat you. They will always take cues from you. If you are very sort of self, um, is self derogatory a phrase? I don't know, I'm making stuff up tonight. If you're very derogatory about yourself and you make comments about your weight or comments about your snacking or comments about being the lazy person or comments about not replying to emails and whatever, people will take a cue from that and they will think, well, that's how they see themselves. That's how I'm going to treat them as well. If you're the person who always takes on everything for everyone else, you're always looking to please, people will treat you that way. So it's up to you. Again, perfect example. It's not your fault, but it is definitely your responsibility because I can tell you no one else can draw that boundary for you. No one. The only person that can make these changes is going to be you. And it's going to mean upsetting someone. It's going to mean having a difficult conversation. You're, you're going to have to say no, but you've got to get comfortable with that. You've got to be sure enough in yourself that it doesn't make you a terrible person or a terrible teacher or a terrible colleague because you're protecting yourself. And we need to get used to this idea that it's self first, not selfish. 
they are two totally different things. Selfish is an idea where you are only concerned with yourself, right? Doesn't apply to anyone on this call. Doesn't apply to any teacher as far as I know. I've kind of met a few actually. Mostly doesn't apply to any teachers. Normally we're in it um, to be quite selfless. But there's a big old difference between self-first and selfish. Self-first talks about the order of priorities. Selfish means, sorry, yeah, selfish. Selfish means you're only concerned about yourself and no one else appears on that list. Self-first just means that you come at the top. Because, you know, we talk about it all the time. The bottom line is, if you don't get looked after, nobody else does. And that is probably the most selfish thing you can think of because you're going to burn out and you're going to be no good to anyone. So if, if other people do matter and caring for us and being a good teacher and having a long career, whatever it is that your goals are, if that does matter to you, you will put yourself first because if you don't, none of that stuff's going to happen. Okay. Anyway, big old rant there. Sorry. Um, when it comes to time management, something that I find really, really useful is time chunking. So get in Monday through to Sunday on a, on a grid, whatever, however you want to do it in your diary on, on Excel, whatever, and just have in um, early morning, late morning, early afternoon, late afternoon, evening, right? Or you could even go early evening, late evening if you want to. So seven by six, basically, and just chunking down, starting with you first, things that you need to do for you. So cool. Saturday morning, I am doing my meal prep that goes in first and you highlight it green or whatever, right? Green things don't get moved. You have these, these very strong boundaries around that. You communicate them to your partner, your colleagues, children, whoever. You, you tell them, right, I've, I've got this in the diary. This is going to stay now. And always, if it is a new habit like meal planning or doing the shopping or whatever, try and tag it onto something that exists because nine times out of 10, that's going to really help you keep it in because it's already tagged onto something that exists. We talked about that before, didn't we? So time management, try time chunking, blocking your time in, and it will be really, really helpful. Put you first, then family and home, and then school. Just see how it feels to do it in that order. It will feel alien. It might even feel a bit uncomfortable. But again, self first, not selfish. Has to be that way. Some of you said that you really struggle. You have struggled to meal plan. Again, to be completely blunt with you, no one else is going to do it for you. Okay? No one else is going to come along and go, oh, can I, can I do your meal plan? That, that, yeah, I'm really, that's why, well, what's exactly what I want to spend my Sunday morning doing is your meal plan. No one's going to do it. And unfortunately, uh, lots of us, uh, lots of people at home also aren't going to want to spend their time doing it. If it's something that is important to you, it's a priority, communicate that. Tell people that this is important. Tell them that you want their support with this. But it might be the, you that has to do it. Ideally, obviously, both of you or, or whoever, whoever is at home sitting down, doing it together would be great. But sometimes it will just fall on, fall upon your shoulders, right? Because it's you who's who it means a lot to. It's you who's trying to implement this thing. So if you don't make time, if you don't carve out time, notice how I didn't say get time or find time. But, you know, the time isn't just going to appear. We know what life is like. You need to carve out time. And if you're struggling to find a time to meal plan, again, pick a time of the weekend, find a time that is usually quieter find a time where you can get some other people's support find a time that's already got something that exists near it and tag this meal planning onto it it's not just going to happen it's not just going to happen we can't just rely on chance for half an hour to sit down and plan your nutrition because it, it's just it's not gonna happen time's just going to go by it'll be 12 o'clock or that's a bit late it'll be 10 o'clock on a sunday it wouldn't be done you're going to be going to bed and you're starting the week on the back on the back foot you can't expect time just to throw throw itself at you you need to carve carve it out okay some of you asked about the self-care menu as well 
This is an example. I'm just going to have a sip. Hey, I'm just going to leave that on the screen a sec and look at some chats. Yep, yeah, <laughs> a little bit brutal. Sorry, Lou. <laughs> I, I, I honestly think, though, at times, like you, you know, you with yourself, me with myself, I, we are all our own biggest. We, we can trick ourselves. You know, that's what the human brain is there for. We have that confirmation bias, right? Your brain is going to tell you that your way of thinking, your beliefs, your systems, your evidence, your past, your experiences, your brain is going to tell you that that is correct. So if you're sitting there going, I've got no time to meal plan, guess what? It's going to look for all the evidence you've got no time to meal plan. Or when it comes to boundaries at work, it's going to look for all the evidence that you possibly cannot, you can't possibly tell someone that you can't do it or whatever. It's going to, it's going to, it's going to try, and, try and prove you right. We are our own, I can't think of the phrase, but we trick ourselves. Yeah, there's the, what's the phrase? It's don't, don't fool yourself. You're the easiest person to fool. We are all our own easiest people to fool. This is why feedback and crit criticism is sometimes quite hard because we fooled ourselves into this sort of sense, this false pretense of the, you know, our way of thinking is, is the only way of thinking or our, our perspective is the only perspective. There's a really good quote. I don't know if it's Aristotle or it's, I don't think it's Aristotle, it's someone else, but it's, it's not like intelligence or wisdom or something is the ability to entertain a thought without accepting it as true or accepting it as your own. I can't remember who said that. But basically, we need to be able to entertain other people's perspectives, take on other people's opinions, because we we're going to keep fooling ourselves. Right. We, we always think we're right. We always think that our way of thinking is the right way of thinking. We always do. But sometimes we need to entertain other people's thoughts, other people's perspectives. We need to even think, well, what if that wasn't true? Right. Not why can't I meal plan? What about how could I start to meal plan? Not why can't I go for a walk? How about how could I go for a walk? So we start turning the problem or we start turning the phrase of negativity. I can't do this. We start turning that into the solution by posing a question to ourselves of, yeah, it's going to be bloody difficult, but how can I make it work? Like, how can I do this? How can I get going? It's, it's tough. I'm not saying any of this stuff's easy. Please bear that in mind. I'm really not. It's tough. But at the end of the day, if nothing changes, nothing changes. We need to start challenging these, these limiting beliefs, start challenging these thoughts, right? Um, loads of people were talking about um, uh, walking. Really helps me to sleep by having an evening walk. Excellent. Um, really had a, uh, I had a really tricky situation, worried about it and then spoke about it and it felt so much better. It is worth taking the plunge. Absolutely. And well done, Alice. Well done, because it's not easy stuff. Having these conversations, it's not easy. It's really not. It's outside your comfort zone. You're going against your inbuilt. Um, what's the word? You're sort of in. I can't think tonight, can I? I'm definitely coming down with something. <laughs> You're going against your inbuilt instinct, I think. Right. It's not it's not within us. We're challenging this. We challenge this identity. Um, I've decided to move jobs as I'm not aligning with the perfectionist values. Good on you. Good on you, Lou, because not many people do that. Most people would probably just suffer where they are because, again, outside the comfort zone but you've got to a point where you know that you know that your worth is more important than that and your mental and physical health and everything else you put you as more important which absolutely you are 100 percent. there will there will be a place that does work absolutely and you deserve nothing less really that's the bottom line again do the do the five-year thing 
fast forward five years would you be happy if you stay there another five years i know you know i'm not living in a in a, in a perfection uh, idealist perfect world you know i know that we've got bills to pay and we've got other things to do like of course these things might take time to put into action and whatever but fast forward five years are you still gonna are you gonna be happy with where you've got to i love the rocking chair i used to call it deathbed thinking which is actually really dark when you think about it someone called it the rocking chair um thinking where you're on your rocking chair at the end of your days a little bit brighter than deathbed thinking you're on your rocking chair at the end of your days looking back are you going to be happy is there anything you're you know are you gonna be happy with you staying there or the decision you're making or whatever or would you you know is there gonna be a regret attached because there is nothing that weighs heavier than a regret right nothing in the world nothing at all so sophie said uh that was my biggest thing lots of people have always said you always put yourself down it stems back to me being bullied for being so big at secondary school but since joining this team, I've really tried to stop this. Absolutely, Sophie. I think that, that's quite a common thing because it's um, it's sort of, I'll laugh at me before other people do because then it's not going to hurt as much, right? Because I've I've almost invited them to or I've hurt myself first. So their, their hurt isn't, isn't going to have the same impact. Really, really common, you know, really common. Um, we have a jar full of milk nows. Um, as with a fussy child and husband, it can get hard to get meals planned to get ideas. They have different colours depending on protein. Oh, that's an awesome one. We just pull out a lollipop stick. That's amazing, Becky. I love that system. Really, really cool. Definitely one to take away. I think I might nick that. Love using my self-care menu, especially when I can't think of something to do or what I need. Absolutely. I found meal prepping has saved me loads of time this week. It's been lovely to come home and cook quick dinners in the evening. Plus, we all know what is for dinner. Yeah. That's such a good idea. Our only issue is to calorie count family recipes. I've got something for you on that. Do not fear. And um, we can create recipes and it can automatically divide it into the um, correct portions. And um, we can talk about that. I hope I'll get something in the group on that one. 15 minute stretch introduced into my morning routine this week gives a touch of perspective in a hectic morning. Just gave me the still, um, gave me the still needed for a tough day. Yeah, absolutely. So it's that pause and reflection, giving you that you time. This is awesome. These are great ideas. These are brilliant ideas. Help me relax. Redid Mindful Winter as, as it was mainly full of summary things. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, Sophie. Awesome, guys. So those are, that is, sorry, the self-care menu you can see on the screen. If you're listening to on the podcast, it's um, less than five minutes, five to 20 or five to 15 minutes, longer than 20 minutes. I've just put an example up. There's things like have a cup of tea, stand outside and have a, a few deep breaths, light a candle, message a friend. These are all things that you can do in less than five minutes. Five to 20 minutes, things that maybe you do when you get home from work, maybe during lunch break, podcast, stretching, dance to music. One big thing I'll say is if you struggle with patches of low mood or you get bored easily or whatever, get yourself your favorite music on. Cook to your favorite music, drive to your favorite music, dance to your favorite music, sing to your favorite music, right? If you put some music that gets you going on, right? you feel good on it it's got the energy it's got the momentum it's got memories attached to it it's got some you know it's got a meaning to to you in that song put some music on i challenge everyone this week put some music on that makes you happy that makes you smile and i can promise it's going to lift your mood particularly with the weather as it is right now okay guys lots of you asked for really quick breakfast ideas so i'm gonna leave this on the screen please do um screenshot this for me i'm going to quickly screenshot it now take a photo of it lots of you asked for really simple breakfast ideas and protein ideas for breakfast as well so i've just popped some of my go-to ones on there let me just save this to my desktop okay 
Awesome. Cool. So I just screenshot that. I'll post that in the group afterwards. But grab a picture of it, guys. There's some protein sources, some fruits and veg, fruit and veg, vegetables, uh, carbohydrate sources and fat sources. Of course, there's overlap in some of these guys. Of course, there is, for example, an egg is just about a protein source. It's just about got more protein and it has healthy fats. So it's a protein source technically, but it was also a, a very good source of healthy fats. Similar carbohydrate, uh, carbohydrates, beans, sorry, beans, baked beans are a carbohydrate source because that's the main thing they contain. However, they are quite high protein. So they are a source of protein, but they are a carbohydrate source. Banana is obviously a carbohydrate source, but it's also a fruit and vegetable. So there is an overlap here, of course. Take a picture of that for me. And I'll also pop it in the group later. And again, a couple of ideas here. Some of you asking for some protein snack ideas. We've got um, an egg, cottage cheese. We've got the eat lean bars. We've got a um, little bit of hummus and some carrot sticks. Low, fairly low um, protein hummus, but a little bit. We've got Faja Greek yogurt. We've got the Arla Greek yogurts. There's the protein puddings from Aldi. All these different ones. Ham and crackers, little protein shake. Heck, um, chicken sausages. Uh, cocktail sausages, some nuts, um, spreadable, um, eat lean cheese, protein spread, protein bar, loads of different ideas for you on there. Um, and lunch protein, ham, turkey, chicken, prawns, bacon, tuna, cheese, uh, eggs, veggie sausages, yogurts, cottage cheese again, heck chicken, Italian sausages, Linda McCartney sausages could be on there as well. They're, they're a really good source of protein. Um, so there's loads of ideas there for you guys. And finally, to finish us off, um, because that was from last week, just sleep. There's loads and loads and loads of information about sleep on here. Again, just grab yourself a screenshot of that because um, we're coming up to the hour mark now and I've already taken up a long lot of your evening. But a lot of it comes down to your sleep environment. So I'll just briefly summarize. We want to think about your um, sleeping environments pretty much as we would have slept 5,000 years ago. So it would have been cool. There wouldn't have been lots of screens around. It would have been very, very dark. Okay. There wouldn't have been lots of artificial blue light because we know that impacts on our sleep hormone, melatonin. So if we have lots of screen time before bed, we're not going to drift off normally as well. And if we do, the quality of our sleep is sometimes not as good. We often think, well, if I drift off quickly, then I'm sleeping well. Sometimes that's not the case. It's about the quality of the sleep. So dark as possible, minimal noise, some fresh, cool air coming in, cool temperature, of course, clean, comfy bedding. You could try a warm shower before because as we fall asleep, our body temperature drops. So a nice warm shower before can lead us into that drop in temperature quite nicely. It also just makes you really fresh and cozy and comfy, doesn't it? Some people do really well with a small carbohydrate meal before, something like 30 grams of warm oats. Some people really do well, really sort of helps them to go to sleep. Some people can't stand being full so eat your dinner at a suitable time don't go to bed hungry if, it, if you don't like it don't go to bed too full if you don't like it there is a pretty good amount of research now on natural lavender products so not artificial sprays and things but natural lavender essential oils and things there's quite a lot of good sort of research on that so that's your sort of um environment your sleep environment you obviously want to have a really clear sleep routine you want to be able to have a wake up time and a bed a bedtime and a wake up time you want to be able to keep that consistent because your circadian rhythm that's the rhythm of your of your body tells you when you're hungry tells you when to go to sleep tells you when your energy is high concentration is high um muscle strength is high endurance is high all sorts of different hormones all sorts of different things are governed by the circadian rhythm which as we go into darker days is going to be quite tricky to manage so do get as much daylight in during the day as possible try to limit your caffeine 
after lunchtime if you can, because caffeine has a half-life, which means, you know, if you have a big dose at three o'clock, by the time you get about 10 o'clock, there's still going to be lots of caffeine circulating in your system. So try to minimize that. Get loads of daylight on your skin, in your eyes as much as possible. Make sure you're getting your steps in. Make sure you're well hydrated during the day. And that is pretty much all of the basics for sleep. If you wake up in the night, you want to get out of your bed because you don't want to count sheep. You want to associate your bedroom as a positive sleep environment. You want to make sure that when you get into bed, it's a calm, relaxing place, not a place that you get really annoyed and hot and sweaty and get frustrated in, right? It wants to be a calm, relaxing place for you. So move out from your bed environment, your sleep environment, keep the conditions the same, cool, dark, minimal noise, no screens. Don't go and sit on your on your phone downstairs. It's not going to help you go to sleep. Reading, journaling, mind dumping, coloring, relaxing, quiet music, maybe a nice, warm sort of caffeine free drink, something to calm you down, something to help you would be really useful. When you're starting to naturally feel sleepy, take yourself back into your sleep environment. Try again. Give it half an hour. If you're still not sleeping, repeat the process. Try not to stay in your sleep environment if you're not sleeping. We want to keep that association positive. And that, guys, is it. That's everything we've got to cover tonight. Um, I have taken up an hour of your evening so apologies for that but i hope it's been useful I hope there's been some really good things in there try to cover as many different things to last week as possible because of course like i said we don't want to sort of keep going over the same thing so i've tried to make it different we have gone over a couple of things the same because they cropped up again please 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 do go listen to all the sessions on playback on the podcast or in the facebook group because there's gonna be tons and tons of information there that i don't want anyone to miss anyway team i hope that was useful if anyone's got any questions please let me know, chuck them in the chat. I know there's a good chunk of you guys here um, this evening. So any questions I can help with, please, please let me know. On Thursday, we do have a session. I believe it is emotional eating. Um, I'm pretty sure we're looking at emotional eating on Thursday. Um, it's on the calendar um, somewhere, wherever that calendar is. Let me have a little look. Um, any questions, chuck them in, guys. Um, yep, 17th, Thursday, 17th, 7.30 p.m., emotional eating, big topic big topic um we look at stress emotional eating urges um cravings habit loops lots of different stuff around eating and, and our sort of um urges around eating any questions um what are the tips to avoid to reduce the amount of fizzy drinks during the week good question um so what we can do is we can sort of view it again as a sliding spectrum as we do do we want to go from having four cans of fizzy drinks, you know, full, you know, full sugar diet Coke a day to zero, probably not. And we don't need to either because the goal isn't perfection. The goal is pro progress. So we can start by reducing it one by one. If you have two a day, try just having one a day, do that for two weeks. Okay. Once you've done that, start to think of some alternatives. Could you use sparkling water with a little bit of cordial or a little bit of sugar-free squash? Could that work quite well? Think about some alternatives. Honestly, I would, make sure you're switching to the diet versions because there's nothing wrong with artificial sweeteners in the quantities that we drink it in if you unless you're having again literally bath falls a day it's not going to impact your health at all and um, dental health is a different area of course um it's, it's not great for for dental health even the diet ones um tom rpt his partner is a dental nurse and he told me this i was quite shocked because i do like a diet coke <laughs> uh but apparently it's i don't know something in it is, isn't great for your teeth um so dental health is different of course however when it comes to just general health aspartame and acesulfame k the two key sweeteners those are not going to be detrimental so switch reduce it 
straight away switch to a, to a sugar-free version, try some alternatives, carbonated water, bit of juice, things like that. Um, fresh orange juice. Again, there we go. Go on, Hannah. I can always rely on you. Phosphoric acid, tooth enamel degrad degradation. You're trying to catch me out there. Um, but just use a metal straw. There you go. Thank you very much. Drink it for a straw. You guys, you guys know I do have a lot of straws. Thank you, Hannah. I am going to get on that. <laughs> if you ever see me having a fizzy drink, it will be for a straw. There we go. Um, so fresh orange juice. It, it depends what lens we're looking through. Are we looking for calorie intake and therefore calorie balance, calorie deficit, body fat loss? Are we looking for health? Different lenses are going to give you different answers to that question. Fresh orange juice, a small 200, 300 mil glass with your breakfast or once a day is going to be pretty good for, for obviously some, some good, decent vitamins in there. Um, if you're within a, so health wise, it's, it's not a problem. Uh, if you're within a calorie deficit, doesn't matter the, the the sugar content because it's about calories. It's not about where those calories come from necessarily on, on, on the very surface level of it. Of course, we can dive a little bit deeper into that. But generally speaking, if you're in a calorie deficit on average, most days out of the week and most weeks out of the month, doesn't matter if you have some high sugar intakes. You know, it doesn't work like that. Those though, That's like the tile on the roof. We're talking about putting up our walls you know, putting up, putting up the building. That's where our attention needs to be. We don't need to worry about sugar intake necessarily. Of course, you don't want to live off Harry Boat, goes without saying, but a glass of orange juice is probably going to be better. Um, again, slightly depends on what lens you look through. Um, I would say yes, you know. Um, now, right now, we're not really worrying too much about calorie intake. In fact, in fact probably the opposite, you know. So got some good, healthy, um, obviously, vitamin C um, as well probably going to be a little bit more optimal than drinking a, a tin of a can of coke so yeah i'd probably say that'd be a good swap would would, would sort of be that'd be quite a good logical swap as well and if you did want that sort of carbonated fizziness to it a little bit of sparkling water or something in there making it into a drink something like that could could be quite good anyway guys i don't think you've got any more questions so i'm going to wrap it up here pretty much bang on an hour which is pretty good going for us if you're listening back on the podcast Thank you very much for joining us. If you've got any questions from this, please do just let me know. Put me a, a message in the group or whatever, and I'll get back to you there. Cheers, guys. Yeah.